Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Nate Cashdan. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Happy birthday, America. How come you guys don't get excited about my birthday? <laughs> Do we say it on my birthday? What did you say? Do you want to? Let's say the put. Do we have a flag in here? Here's one right here. Let's stand, let's stand and say the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. You're welcome. Yeah, to the Texas flag, yeah. I felt, I felt so unprepared when we moved to Texas. Zeb went to school um, at uh, uh, public school uh, here in Lake Travis. And they're like, well, you have to say the Pledge to the Texas flag. And I was like, oh, we don't know that. And now we got to learn. I've been saying the Pledge of Allegiance every day since I was five years old, but I don't know the Texas. We had to learn it real quick. And then we learned it, and we're like, okay, we're good to go. So, but I like that. All right. How's everybody doing? Good. Oh, Kit. Did kids get? Yeah, kids got dismissed. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. All right. So um, I got the message this morning titled, entitled, Being the Church of Jesus Christ. And so we can be dismissed now because that's we are. We are the church. We've been the church this morning, and um, it's so good worshiping together and meeting together. Uh, Eric Scheibe said something to me at home group on Friday that, that really impacted me and I thought was really cool. And, you know, we we had a great time of worship and, and some ministry time at home group. And, and he said, you know, I was thinking, I was sitting here, and he's like, for thousands, and I'm paraphrasing Eric, so I'm sorry if I misquote you a little bit, but he's like, for thousands of years and through all the things that have been happening, um, you know, through the course of time, since, we'll just say since Jesus' time, he says, believers have been doing this through it all, meeting together in a home for worship, for fellowship, for breaking bread, and for prayer. Right, the things that the early apostles devoted them to, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 46. And he said, they've been doing this, and, it's, and, and we're going to do this wow. until Jesus comes back. And I thought, man, no, through the thick and thin, through the ups and downs, through everything that happens, and no matter what culture you're in, whether it's illegal or, Ill, illegal or legal to do it, it's happening. Yeah. And Jesus still shows up. Amen? Oh, so I, just, I love that we get to do this on a day that celebrates uh, not just independence, but it celebrates bravery and courage. Wow. Yeah. All right. Some very brave men and women who stood up and committed treason so that we could be free. I'll drink to that. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3, if you would, please. It's on page 909 in my Bible, which helps you none, but it'll be up on the screen if you need it. 
Holy Spirit, would you come and just shine light this morning? Would you open ears and open eyes, Father? God, would you keep my words from error and our hearts, our minds focused on you? God, would we leave changed, better equipped, and more in touch with intimacy with you in Jesus' name? Amen. Here's what I want to do today. I really like teaching. I really like going through the word and dissecting things. And we preach different styles and different methods depending on what the Lord has spoken. But today I'm actually going to teach through a couple chapters. We're not going to cover all the information. And there's a thousand sermons in these two chapters. But uh, what I want to do is tell you a story uh, that's in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, and then draw out some principles and some, uh, some things that we can apply to our current culture and everyday life that we're going to see aligned very closely with what was going on uh, with Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, okay? So, um, uh, when we talk about being the church of Jesus Christ, there's so many different things that, that would fall into that category. What does it mean to be the church? Well, practically speaking, if I've confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says I am saved, therefore I am part of the church, right? When I'm saying church right now, I'm talking capital C or what they call the church Catholic, the universal church, okay? So every believer, everywhere, throughout all time. Okay, so we're a part of that. So that's part of being the church. Part of being the church is, is being members of a local church, Right? And in the things, the four things that we call people to, we say, if the Lord has called you to River in the Hills Church, we believe he's called you to Sunday mornings, to home groups, to some sort of participation in the Lake Travis prayer room, and to giving, right, towards, towards the, um, the work here at River in the Hills Church. Those are, there's so many more things that we do, but those are what we call the, the four main things. And, and, so, um, and so that's part of being the church. Another part of being the church is that being the hands and feet of Jesus' peace, Right, and carrying out his work, right? It's laying hands on the sick, it's preaching the gospel, it's casting out demons, it's loving the unlovely, touching the untouched, reaching the unreached. There's so many different aspects to being the church of Jesus Christ, and we're going to address a lot of them today. Um, I think that if you're a follower of Jesus, obviously you're part of the church, and we ask ourselves these questions as followers of Jesus, how am I supposed to do this with all of the deception and all of the pressure and all of the confusion and all of the persecution and all of the lies? How am I supposed to be a follower of Jesus today in America? How am I supposed to be a follower of Jesus right now in Austin, Texas? And that's a fair question. Uh, one of the ones that I'm gonna answer today. Uh, we, we look around and we see believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, falling into the same deception that the world's falling into. You've all seen it, if, or if you haven't seen it, I don't know where you've been, but come out, come out wherever you are. <laughs> Heidi Baker said she would love more than she would love nothing more than to just go be a monk for the rest of her life in total solitude, just her and Jesus forever. But he doesn't really call us to that. So, anyways, so what do we do? What do we do when we look around and we hear and we see all the trash? And then we look around and we see brothers and sisters participating in some of the trash. What do we do? So believe it or not, this is not the first time. The, the, the things that we're experiencing and going through right now, while unique to our time and situation, it's not the first time that these things have happened. Okay? Obviously, it happened 245 years ago, or, you know, it was happening before that. But 245 years ago, they came up with a solution to some of those things that were happening, right? Tyrannical rulers or ruler was basically coming down with a whole bunch of things. Religious persecution, uh, basically trying to take people's rights away. He was, he was being a tyrant. And so these guys stood up and they said, nope, we have 
certain inalienable rights that are plainly seen, and we're going to start a country and government based on those things. And so they, they had a solution for it. And if anyone that tries to tell you that that was done in some sort of separation of church and state is lying or they're uneducated, and uh, that, those, those were guys that were doing that because of the church. <laughs> those, guys that, those guys that were doing this uh, in, in a way to, to make Jesus the forefront once again, to bring religious freedom primarily um, to the people that they would lead, primarily their families. But that wasn't the first time it happened either. Okay, this this pers- this idea of religious persecution and trying and deception and all this uh, religious spirit and things that are that are stealing attention from Jesus and things that are trying to, to basically basically coerce people into becoming something that they're not. This was happening during the early church days also, and that's what we're going to read about today. Okay, so starting, I'm gonna I'm not going to read everything, but I'm going to start in Acts chapter three verse one. Okay, it says, one day Peter and John, this is, this is right after Pentecost, right? So the, the Holy Spirit had just this context here. The Holy Spirit comes, boom, they're speaking at fire and wind, right? And come and do it again. Um, the Holy Spirit comes, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, the prophesying. Peter stands up, preaches this amazing message. 3,000 people get saved, and it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. And the Lord added to their number daily, daily. right? Okay. Then, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, and as did John, and Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, for I am a pastor. I just, I'm just reading a different version. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And listen, verse 7, taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. We find out in a few verses here, this guy was over 40 years old, crippled since birth, never walked, never been, on, never been seen on his feet and sat at that gate every single day of his life to get his livelihood. Taking him by the hand, he got up, his feet and ankles became strong. Verse 8, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them to the temple courts, because remember, that's where they were on their way to. So they were just going about their day, spreading the love of Jesus, being the hands and feet. They saw this guy, and they're like, we don't have any money, but I know what we do have, and I know what he needs. And they got him up off the ground, and so he went with them to prayer. All right? It's always a good strategy. If you help somebody on the way to church, bring them to church. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. He went with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God, because once people have encountered God, you can't shut them up. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. Some of your Bibles might say they were perplexed because there's an there's a, uh, element of this makes me uncomfortable in that, okay? Because change and unknown is uncomfortable sometimes. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. 
when Peter saw these, when Peter saw this, he said to them, "Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if our own power or God, as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk?" And then Peter goes on for the next several paragraphs, and he goes on and he preaches to the Insta Church that just developed because they healed the guy. They were just going to prayer. That's all they were doing. They did it all the time. They were just going to prayer, and they're like, hey, look at me. Get up and walk. And he gets up and walk, and they're like, well, we're still going to prayer. And they go to prayer, and he's like jumping and praising God, and they're excited, and it's great, but they're still here for prayer. But in the meantime, a crowd gathers, okay? And now there's a disturbance at prayer, okay? So what happens is Peter turns and addresses the crowd that's gathered because it's an opportunity to share the gospel. He did the same thing at Pentecost. Everybody's speaking in tongues, and they're like, they're drunk, and he's like, listen, and he preached, okay? Tongues without the message, everybody looks drunk. Message without the tongues, no one's gathered around to listen, right, because they don't have their attention. Miracle, message, every time. Miracle, he heals, pulls a beggar up off the street, and what does he do? Message. So he turns around and he preaches a message, okay? And he's preaching to a group of people that recently saw the crucifixion. If they didn't see it, they heard about it, okay? And in a minute, he's actually going to address the very people that had a hand in sending Jesus to the cross. He says things like, the one whom you murdered. That's who I'm doing this in. I, I just healed this guy in the name of the guy that you sent to the cross, and then he, so we'll get there in a minute. Sorry, getting ahead of myself. Anyways, follow me here in the story, okay? Peter preaches this, this message uh, all the way through the end of, uh, of chapter 3, okay? Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly... So, they, so they're, they're ministering to a group of people... And all these religious people come up to them and interrupt. Okay, that's the picture. Okay, they were greatly disturbed. They were pissed. That's what that means. That's how you translate that into the English. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Okay, they are ministering the name of a dead guy. Okay, that's how they see it. Not only that, the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Okay, that's where them and the Pharisees butt heads. Okay, they butt heads politically in a couple areas, but they also butt heads when it comes to the resurrection. And the Sadducees are like, so the, the priests and the elders, they're like, why are you preaching in Jesus' name? We, just, we thought that if we crucified this guy, you would shut up about him. That was their whole thing. If we crucify him, they'll all disperse and things will be quiet and settle back down. That's why they gave up Barabbas and killed Jesus, because they're like, we need to settle everybody down, okay? But it didn't happen that way. They, they're teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus' name, and it makes everybody great, so disturbed that they come up and they, they have to break it all up. Now, by this time, remember they went up to prayer at 3. We'll just say things closed at 5, right? So they've been ministering for a couple hours. Well, they seize them, and they have to put them in jail, because... It's closing time. They seize them for questioning. Okay, they didn't get necessarily arrested, right? But they had to put them in jail so they didn't skip town before getting questioned. But all the elders and everybody were already 
home. So they put him in jail for the night. They wake up the next morning, and they start questioning them, okay? Verse 3, they seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. Huh, it was too late, okay? The crowd that gathered, it was already too late, okay? They already believed. They saw the evidence of the miracle, and they went, yes, we believe that, okay? And the number of men grew to about 5,000. How many was it at Pentecost maybe a couple weeks earlier? 3,000. So that whole, like, I'm going to add to your number daily thing was pretty exponential, right? He meant it. It went three to 5,000 men, that's just men, in maybe a number of days or weeks. That's great. The next day, verses chapter 4, verse 5, the next day the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. The high priest was there. Caiaphas, John, Alexander, the other men of the high priest family, they had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Here's what they didn't do. Listen to what they didn't do. They didn't deny the miracle. Why? Because you can't deny it. Because he had, he had sat in front of these people for over 40 years crippled. He wasn't pretending your eyes don't lie. I once, it's like, I saw him there. I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever seen people that have never walked, that are over 40 years old. Their, their legs, that you can tell that they won't be able to walk when you look at their legs. They look like chicken legs. There's just no muscle. There's no, there's no anything. It's very, and he didn't look like that anymore. So he was 100% changed, right? So they looked at, so they didn't go, what's the trick? They said, how did you do it? Okay? Because they couldn't deny the miracle. So by what name or what power did you do this? Okay? These are religious guys who, who f- believed in Yahweh. Okay? These are religious guys that believe in Yahweh. Then Peter, filled, this is verse 8, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Peter stands up, filled with the Holy Spirit, and this isn't Peter, so Holy Spirit through him basically punches the religious leaders in the face, boom, you crucified him. And then goes to the Sadducees, boom, but God raised him from the dead because they don't believe in the resurrection. And so now everybody's mad. Everybody just got punched in the face, right? And they're, and they're, and they're like, you just imagine, this. don't read through this and be like, and they're, and like they're sitting there going, by what power did you? They're like, what, how did you? They're frustrated. These are educated religious men that are influenced by a religious spirit. I'll be teaching more about that in the coming months. And, and they're starting to get bent out of shape. And the whole, it says right here, filled with the Holy Spirit, they gave them the one-two, the two things they didn't want to hear. It was done by Jesus, whom they crucified, and God raised him from the dead. All right, verse 12. And, Peter said, and then Peter preaches the gospel. He says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Verse 13, <clears throat> when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, amen, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note 
that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing with them, he was standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. They just let the miracle speak for itself. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? Can you imagine the meeting? They're like, who wants to go first? (laughs) They were were just dumbfounded, okay? What are we going to do? They asked everybody living in Jerusalem. Everybody say everybody. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows what they have done, that they have done an outstanding miracle. It hasn't even been a day. Remember, three, they went to the temple. They did the miracle. They got thrown in jail for questioning. The next morning, they're getting questioned, and now everyone in Jerusalem knows that a miracle's been performed. Word traveled fast. They didn't even have Instagram. (laughs) Verse 17. But to stop, listen to this. I'm going to read this verse before it again, 16. Everybody living in Jerusalem, this is them conferring. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. We cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men not to, or to speak no longer to anyone in this name. What is this thing, do you think, that they're trying to... What, that's, they sit down and they say, we have to stop this thing from spreading. Jesus? I think it's Jesus. I don't think they knew what it was. All they knew is that it was an assault to what they wanted to, the narrative that they wanted to convey, the narrative that they wanted to be believed and heard, okay? They wanted people to worship God the way they wanted them to worship God, right? They wanted to, remember, in the 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, on top of the written Torah, they'd added the oral Torah, they added all these laws. They added all these things that, that actually the Lord never added. And they wanted to implement all of their own things. It was, yes, the Ten Commandments plus this. Yes, the Torah plus this. Yes, the, do you see the mixture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mixture's not good. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Okay? And so they find themselves in this situation where they go, we can't deny it was a miracle. But these guys are preaching in Jesus' name, and we don't like that. We have to stop this thing from spreading. So how are we going to do that? Because they thought they had already done this. Remember? This is the same group of people that's like, thank God, we, we crucified him. Now it's done. They didn't realize that they just started it. They, didn't, they just didn't see it. We must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Verse 18. Then they called them in again. And commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That's all they could do. Like this. <laughs> Stop. And they're like, okay. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> verse 19. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight. Remember, he, so he, this is the Holy Spirit. He, they appeal to Yahweh, who they're following, who they're, they're claiming to follow. This is the, these are the religious leaders. We follow Yahweh, and Peter's like, okay, judge for yourself whether or not it's right in Yahweh's sight to obey you rather than him. Like, what would your God have us do, obey you or obey him? And they're like, you see the smoke coming out of their ears like a cartoon character, right? 
for we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. So the government, the religious political leaders of the day, was trying to tell them what they had seen and heard. It was fake news. The government and political leaders were trying to tell them how they should interpret what they saw. Don't go say that it was Jesus. Don't talk about the miracle anymore. Do not teach in Jesus' name. And they were like, how can we not just like, we just want to tell the truth and you're telling us to lie. All right? Verse 20, or, uh, sorry, verse 21, after further threats, they just kept threatening them, right? Noise, 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 threat, 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 threat. Sound familiar? They let them go. They could not decide how to punish them, listen, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. The priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they couldn't get people to praise God for hundreds of years. They tried everything. They even wrote hundreds of new laws to get people to be able to honor God, and they couldn't do it. These people came in and pulled one cripple off the street, and the entire city heard about it overnight, and everyone's praising God. And they're like, this is exactly what we were going for, yet it's not what we're going for because it didn't come through us. Therefore, we have to stop everyone who it came from. How backwards is that? How twisted is that? How much deception is wrapped up in that? They were praising Yahweh. That's what the religious leaders wanted everyone to do. And they couldn't get him to do it. You'd think they'd be happy, like, thanks. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Not that it would have been less of a miracle had he only been crippled a year, but the fact that he was 40 years old made it undeniable to a generation. On their release, verse 23, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they went back to their home group, okay? (laughs) When he heard this, they had testimony time. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain and the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one? Sound familiar? It should. This is not the first time this has happened. Verse 27, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and all the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Remember, they're praying. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats, right? The threats that they were just threatened by the leaders. Consider their threats and enable your servants, us, to speak your word with great boldness. So their threat was, don't you dare speak the word through the name of Jesus. And they're like, well, Lord, you heard their threats. Now give us more boldness to speak your your word through your name. Stretch out, verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, which is what just got them in trouble. They're like, do it again. 
not in a not in a snarky like what do you got way, but in a this is our only move. Verse 31, it's one of my favorite verses. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And the next several verses will go on to say that all the believers were in one heart and one mind, had everything in common, meaning this isn't a socialist verse. God. <laughs> this is the church, is believers helping believers. This is the household of faith taking care of the household of faith. There was no one that had a need because if a need arose, someone would just sell a piece of property or give away something they had for money and they would meet the need, okay? This isn't a verse saying don't work. This isn't a verse, this don't hear all of the junk and trash that tries to get read into this verse. This verse says, the church took care of the church because they were loving each other and they knew they were better together and they knew they couldn't do it alone. So no one had a need because they leaned into each other. It's the same thing it says at the, at the end of chapter 2. It says the same thing. So they, didn't, they, they would just lend to each other. This is the story we go right into. It talks, about, it talks about a guy named Barnabas who sold a field and gave his money. And then it goes in to talk about Ananias and Sapphira who decided that they wanted some recognition. So they sold a field and pocketed a little money which was totally fine. They didn't have to give any of it. No one told them to. They pocketed a little bit, but then said they brought it all, and they died. It goes on from there in the book of Acts, and we're going to stop our summary right there, and I just want to say a couple things as we close. When the church of Jesus Christ is persecuted, targeted, threatened, even legislated against our response has to be to continue to be the church. And for a lot of people, a lot of people, the word continue needs to be replaced with start being the church. Okay, so many people, brothers and sisters that we have throughout the entire world have been taught a few things that have been detrimental to their spiritual health. One of those things is that we're in some sort of peacetime spiritually. One of the biggest lies of the devil's told the church that we're not in spiritual war. The Bible literally says the complete opposite. I hate the word literally and only use it when I mean literally. And I literally mean that the Bible says the complete opposite of that lie, which makes it one of the stupidest lies because the best lies contain the most truth. This lie contains no truth. It's so blatantly obvious that it's wrong, yet we've fallen into it. Why? Because we like peace. <laughs> We're like, it's so much easier to not be in spiritual. I don't, I don't want to have to take every thought captive. I don't want to have to yield my sword every day. I don't want to have to go to bed praying in tongues and wake up praying in tongues. I don't want to have to do all these things. Yeah, but we're better if we do. And, and if we don't, we end up looking around. We see a lukewarm church, okay? We see believers that aren't ready to deal with, to, with, with things like critical race theory. They're like, yeah, I think we do have systemic racism in our country. Like, what? You see people that aren't ready to, de aren't ready to deal with, with any of the hardships that have come in the last 18 to 24 months. They're not ready. So what do they do? They fall in line with the loud voice. What's the loud voice saying? Fear, 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 fear. Fall in line, fall in line, blindly follow, blindly follow. Stop doing that. You're not free. That's not what freedom means. That's not what love means. That's not what truth means. Truth is relative. And if you don't know any better, and that's the only thing you're hearing on repeat every day, what are you going to do? 
fall in line. Also, if everyone's telling you how much they're going to hate you if you don't fall in line, and you're like, I have fear of man. I don't want people to hate me. What if they say something mean about me? God. Lord, thicken our skin. I'm telling you what. I've had some people say some pretty horrible things about me behind my back that I've heard of through other people through the years. Some of it's been true. Some of it hasn't. (laughs) I'm being honest. But very, very, very hurtful things. Very, very hurtful things. But you know what? I don't care. Do you know why? Because years ago, I realized that while while I do care about what my friends say, because I want to know if I've done something to offend them, I, I care more about what God says about me. Okay? And the Bible says that we should actually consider it joy when people talk trash on us because they're actually talking trash on Jesus. So I look back and I'm like, well, thank you, Lord. That you must have been shining through in some way that I was totally unaware of. I don't, don't not trying to make myself sound like a saint at all. I'm just saying that we, we need to stop worrying so much about what the world thinks about us. Let me just tell you right now, the world hates you. You're horrible. You'll never live up. You'll never amount. You're weak, brainwashed. Um, help me out here, guys. Uh, you're, you're um, oh, intolerant, um, uh, hateful. What's that? Racist. Yeah, you're racist. Um, extremist. Shall, what, what was yours? Close-minded, shallow. Yeah, you, let's get them all out, right? It's an episode of The Office. Let's get all the bad ideas out first, right? I mean, I'm telling you, you will be called this for the rest of your life. Don't think, well, things are going to get better and people will see me different. No, they're going to get worse and they'll see you worse. And it's fine. It's what Jesus said. He said, don't be surprised. That's one of, that's, isn't that one of my points? Maybe it was one of my points and I changed it. Oh, it was my pre-point. My, <laughs> my pre-point. I was going to say, I think I wrote this down. But the first thing I wanted to say about the first, it's like, what do we do with this information? Look, in the early church, they were facing persecution very similar, way worse than what we're going through right now. In 1776, way worse than what we're going through right now. Let's not even start to compare and say, like, it's just like it was when that. No, it's not. These guys all signed the Declaration of Independence, basically signing their death certificate, going, we're probably going to get killed, but it, and our families might get killed and tortured, and, but this is, this is bigger than us. Okay? It's bigger than us right now. Okay? So that, that part is the same. It's bigger than us right now. What do we do? We have to be the church. The first thing we have to do is stop being surprised at the trouble that we're facing. Okay? I mean, I'm, I, I need to stop being surprised. I'll hear something, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I just can't believe that. And then I stop and I'm like, oh no, I can totally believe that. I'm not, I'm not surprised by that. It, it's, we have to stop being shocked. It's like when you look at something, you're like, can, how, can they, how can they say this lie? Because they're influenced by the devil. The devil's the father of lies. The only thing that comes out of his mouth is a lie. So we don't need to be surprised. We're like, but people are believing it. That's because he's a deceiver. Do you know what deception means? Deception means that you'll fall into a trap, believing something that is not true. Okay, he's a deceiver. All right, I'm not surprised anymore when people get deceived. Yeah, but things are so hard. Yes, they are. It says don't be surprised when trouble comes upon you. I mean, so we have to, you understand what I'm saying? The Bible, I'm sorry I'm talking so fast, but the Bible says don't be surprised. So we have to stop being surprised. We can still have joy because Jesus has overcome the world. There's a verse in there somewhere, John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Okay? Listen, I love the second half of that verse, but the first half is also a promise. In this world, you will have trouble or you will face many troubles. Okay? It's going to happen. It's okay. 
We fight, we fight, we fight. So what do we take away with? Number one, now is the time to be the church. We have to love the unlovely, touch the untouched, reach the unreached. Give generously. Everybody say, give generously. Give generously. I said, everybody say, give generously. give generously. Stand up for truth, especially when the pressure is on to be silent. That's when you have to speak up. I mean, it's fun speaking up when no one wants to listen because everybody agrees with you or because everybody's on your team. It's another thing to speak up when everyone's against you. Wow. It's another thing to speak up when everyone says, if you speak up, you better shut up. You better shut up, you racist. You better shut up, you shallow-minded Christian. You better shut up, you intolerant white person. You better shut up, you Texan. You better shut up, you hillbilly. That would be a compliment, actually. <laughs> but that's when it's time to love well. That's when it's time to speak up. That's when it's time to be the church. Because this was all happening to Peter and John when they reached down and pulled the cripple off the ground. This was all happening to them. When they turned around to preach the message, the, their arresters <laughs> were walking towards them, but they just kept preaching. And then when they got arrested, they just preached to them. And we have to react like that. Number two, don't dissipate your strength because you only have so much, okay? We have to know Ephesians 6.12 says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What, um, what, how do I say this? Educated men and women looked at that crippled man and denied the power that made him well. Okay, educated men and women denied the power. They didn't deny that he was well. They denied the power that made him well. How, do you, how are you that stupid? Yeah. The devil, okay? He's the father of lies. If we dissipate and use too much of our strength fighting flesh and blood, we won't have enough to fight the war that we're actually called to fight, okay? There is a lot of stuff that goes on in this realm, okay? Don't hear me and say that our only job is to pray, Okay? I don't like it when, when we're deduced to one simple thing like that. Okay? Like all we're supposed to do is pray. Well, that's wrong. Yeah. You're not, if you were just supposed to pray, you'd starve. Yeah. And your family would starve. Right? You're supposed to do more than that. Right? So I understand. But when I say don't dissipate your strength, I mean don't use more in this horizontal uh, flesh and blood realm than you're supposed to because then you'll be short when it comes to fighting this battle okay? in prayer and on your knees. Guys, don't dissipate. Um, don't, don't waste your time and effort on vain things, right? And there is a struggle, okay? There's a big pool for your time and effort on vain things. Worship team, come back up. There's one more. Stay engaged, guys. It's like shooting a gun with a blindfold on, okay? Which, if you've ever done that, please don't tell me about it. <laughs> but it's like shooting a gun with a blindfold on. You, you can't see anything, not just your target. You, you can't see it. It's like, you should never do that, by the way. Please don't hear any. But, don't you, but, but when you dissipate your strength, it's just kind of like you throw a blindfold on and you're like, I hope I hit something. But when you don't dissipate, you're using your scope, get the crosshairs on the devil and pull the trigger. All right. Number three and the last one, pray, encounter, and act. This is what happened when they got released from the Sanhedrin and they went back to their home group, okay? And they told everybody what happened. They just started praying. They gave thanks. They praised. And then they asked God, 
would you give us more courage? They asked God, would you stretch out your hand and heal and perform more miraculous signs and wonders, more miracles, more healings, more deliverances? They asked for more. So they prayed, they praised, they encountered God, okay? They came into his presence and encountered him. You can encounter the living God in your everyday life. And then they acted, okay? The rest of the book of Acts is a story. I encourage you to live from the overflow of your relationship with Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Prayer teams, you can come forward. Um, in addition to our normal prayer teams, uh, if I could ask just a couple more people, uh, Eric and Lindsay, if you guys could come forward, Hyde and Cynthia, if you guys wouldn't mind coming forward as well, Leo, if you wouldn't mind coming forward, it's kind of a it's just a strategic chat, if you wouldn't if you wouldn't mind, and you guys, if you don't want to, that's fine because I didn't ask you ahead of time, but I'm just inviting you specifically. I could invite way more people up, but the reason I called these, because don't, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that you're doing something wrong because you didn't get called up. We just only have so much room up here. But what I want you guys to do here in the front is we're gonna have prayer right now. And I want you, it's a prayer of impartation, okay? Every one of you up front, I know you personally, and I know that you, uh, in one way or another, or in multiple ways, are the hands and feet of Jesus and being the church in your everyday lives. And I look around this room and you could probably, most of you in this room could be up here at the altar imparting. But some people carry things that others don't. I know Lindsay and Eric, they carry something different than what Sherry carries. I know that Leo carries something different than what Fred carries and Kyle different than what Chad carries. And so I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit as the worship team plays as the response today. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit if you would have you go to one of these people to get hands laid on to see if you might have what they carry, if the Lord would give you what they carry. I need what so many of these carry up here in the front. Okay, I tell you right now that, that Todd's anointing in the workplace is different than anyone's I've ever seen. And that Lindsay's boldness in HEB is different than people that I've seen, okay? And that the way that Chad loves the unlovely is different than, than other people that I've seen. The way that Leo is, is devout and faithful and serious and honest is different than others that I've seen. And so it's, it's, it's strategic. But I really believe that there's a grace this morning to impart one to another through the laying on of hands. You can come up for other prayer things too. If you need somebody to pray with you, Gary and Jeannie, would you guys mind coming forward as well? you need somebody to pray with you over different needs and stuff like that, we're going to have plenty of people up here. But if you want somebody to just lay hands on you and just say, I want what you have, that's what impartation is in like the simplest form. I want what you have, okay? And in the New Testament, we read that oftentimes it was given through the laying on of hands. I would just go up to these people in the front say, I want what you have, and then take what you get and go use it. Take what you get by faith go use it. Thank the Lord for it. And go love the unlovely, touch the untouched, and reach the unreached. We can change the world. Now's the time to be the church. Now's the time to stand up for truth. 
now's the time to be thankful and joyful and we don't have to be we don't have to walk in fear and be worried and be anxious the big picture is that he's overcome the world we fight our battles here but our main battle is a spiritual one don't let anybody ever lie to you and tell you that we're in some sort of spiritual peacetime. We will be when we get to the new heaven and new earth, eternally peaceful. But right now, there's work to be done. So I love you all very much. Thank you, worship team. You, if you need to leave, bless you and have a, a great 4th of July. But I encourage you to respond right now. Ask the Holy Spirit who he would have you go to that can lay hands on you for impartation. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.